Fill the Whole World Hears is our podcast of mission stories from across the globe, told by members in WEC UK and Ireland. Welcome and thanks for joining us. I am your host, Martha, and together we'll learn more about what mission can look like. It can be challenging to live for Christ in the day-to-day, but hearing from others can inspire us to persevere exactly where God has placed us. Thank you for joining, and I hope you enjoy hearing these conversations. Thank you, Maud, for joining me today. I'm really excited to learn more about your journey with WIC and mission. Where did you go on mission? I ended up in Congo Democratic Republic of Congo, as it's called now. How long were you there for, and... At what time? What were the dates you were there for? I first went out in October of 1968. I was there more or less 50 years off and on. That's the longest time of anyone I've spoken to yet who's been on the mission field. (laughs) (laughs) How did you know then that God was calling you into mission? In a sentence, what was your journey into mission? I was not a Christian until I went to do nursing training and through through influence of Christian Nurses and Nurses Christian Fellowship, I became a Christian. I was praying and asking God what he wanted me to do. And he clearly showed me from his word, from Revelations chapter three and verse eight, behold, I've laid before you an open door that no man can shut. And then he led me clearly into the WAC Missionary Training College in Glasgow while I was there reading the history of WAC and CT Stud, I got the desire to go to work in Congo. And then there was a memorial service for missionaries who were martyred in the 1964 rebellion and an appeal made for missionaries to replace them. There was no way I would have gone to the mission field without having a clear call from God through his word, through circumstances and through the advice of senior missionaries. Wow, that's a pretty, that's a pretty hefty call. Some people have been martyred and we need more people. Did you have any fears stepping out into mission for the first time? Oh, I had certainly fears. Fear, fear, trepidation, but great excitement. It was the excitement and the knowledge that it was God's will for me. And the overriding all was my desire to obey God and to be obedient to his call. And that overrode the the, uh, uh, fear that I had in going out. Uh, now I had the company of two other uh, young nurses who were going out to the Congo at the same time. It was nice to have their company because in those days we sailed out to the mission field. We didn't fly. And so we were two weeks out, which gave us time to adapt to going to, to uh, mm. country, Africa. That was like your two weeks orientation. <laughs> That's right, my two weeks orientation. <laughs> Was, was your role primarily uh, in medicine then the whole time that you served in mission? I was involved in a lot of things. Now, uh, my first term, uh, I had to learn Swahili and got involved in working in a little outpatient department, but also helped the elderly missionary there to do prayers in the morning. We used to do prayers and little Bible study every morning. And then I also had a children's meeting, became involved in children's work as well there. After my parents died and I went back, I went to work at Nebbongo and uh, it was quite different. I was uh, put in charge of the maternity unit and we used to go out into the forest to do surgical work for the patients who could never get near a hospital. Usually on the Sundays we'd preach in the church and in the mornings we would always have prayers and always had a little Bible study. And then when I eventually went down to Molita, where I spent most of my missionary career, I was very involved not only in the medical work, 
but also helping to teach in the Bible school twice a week. And they wanted me to train midwives. So we had to build a little uh, maternity work for, uh, first, and then that, and then we had to build an operating theater. One thing led to the other. We ended up by building a little hospital, making our own bricks, cutting the wood down in the forest. We'd finished that then. They had no proper school, and there were a lot of skilled children uh, primary school age. So we ended up also building a seven-classroom primary school as well. So I was involved in a lot of things, overseeing the building projects, uh, the teaching in the Bible school, as well as being responsible for the maternity work, training midwives, and the pharmacy as well. I always ordered the medical supplies for the hospital as well. A woman of all traits. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. You just had to chip in where you're needed, I guess. That's right. If I had known beforehand what I was going to have to do, I would probably have said, no way was I going that I could never, ever do that. And without the Lord, I couldn't have done it. But, you know, his word standing in his word and his promises uh, was my rock. Mm. Yeah, it's a good thing that we don't know the future, isn't it? That's I've right. often thought that before, because we would run away from God's plan for us. That's right. That's right. <laughs> in a sentence, can you tell us about a cultural difference that you noticed maybe when you first arrived or perhaps after having been there for a while between the, the Congo and the UK? Congolese people are very friendly. That was one of the first things. They were very, very friendly. And no inhibitions about coming and speaking to you. They just spoke a chapter to everybody. And uh, no inhibitions about asking for <laughs> requesting money and requesting things like that. In our culture, we'd be ashamed to ask anybody for money. Their theory is if you don't ask, you don't get. To me, that was strange uh, I still find that difficult, you know, they're always asking for money. Then, of course, when I first went out, there was no electricity, no running water. We still don't have electricity. We just still don't have running water. We use solar panels for lighting or keeping vaccines and then just IT work. I always say it's a, a mindset because I knew before I go out, there would be no running water, there'd be no electricity. So I had my mindset for I didn't really find that a big, big problem. I'd been brought up on a farm as a child, and whenever I was a child, uh, we had no lot of running water or, or electricity. We only acquired that, I think, when I was in my teens. <laughs> so, uh, oh wow, okay, God had prepared that before you. Then he'd already right. he'd already prepared right. you for it. Mm -hmm. That's right. Uh, do you have a story of an answered prayer, or maybe more than one? I'm sure you saw lots of answers to your <laughs> prayers over the time that you were there. As you say, lots of answers to prayer. When I'd be called to go out at night, I always got down the side of my bed and prayed and claimed that promise from Matthew chapter six, pray to thy father in secret and thy father who sees in secret shall reward thee openly. And I always prayed before I would go to the hospital that God would go before me and do a miracle, put his hand upon the lady and give us a live, healthy baby and a live mother. And inevitably it was always answered. And, uh, I always thank the Lord because sometimes I can remember an occasion, a lady who came in, she had had a cesarean section before uh, for a very difficult delivery and she was in high labor. Her, the baby's head had not descended. The baby's head was very high and there was no way she could deliver normally. We had two nurses trained to do surgery, but neither of them were there. They were away. And uh, so uh, I had to deliver this baby. So, of course, I prayed with this lady, laid hands on the lady and prayed with her 
and explained the gospel to her before I started working with her. And uh, the Lord really helped. We managed to get a live, healthy baby uh, normally, which was a real miracle, knowing the history that the lady had and knowing the baby's head was high. It hadn't even gone into the birth canal uh, whenever I went there. But that was just a miracle of every pain. Just the head started suddenly going down. And that was really a miracle from the Lord. But uh, the Lord was gracious in so, so many ways and just so many answers to prayer, uh, supplying my needs in so many cases, you know, for the hospital running out of medicines and, you know, mm -hmm. provided in the Lord miraculously sending us the medicines we needed or the money that we needed when we needed. And it was just wonderful just to know, just to see God's hand and mighty hand at work. Yes, you can see God's hand in all of it. It's amazing. Yeah. One of the very remarkable answers to prayer, this was in 98, we had to get out of the country very, very quickly. War was declared, the borders were closed, and we depended upon Missionary Aviation Fellowship a lot for taking us out of the country, but they had already evacuated. But we did have radio communication with the missionaries in Nairobi, and they said, if you can get permission for a plane to land, we'll come in and evacuate you. So off we went to Nebobongo to find a very hostile group of people around the airstrip who were hurling all sorts of insults at us and tried to stop us leaving by rolling barrels onto the airstrip to prevent the plane landing. And it really was quite a difficult, hostile situation. So we were told to be on the airstrip 10 minutes before the plane was due to land, which was 20 to 11 that morning. Well, 20 to 11 came and went and no plane and uh, we were very anxious and we waited and waited. And uh, after half an hour and an hour later, still no plane. Well, by this time, we were meeting together in groups of twos and threes and praying for God's deliverance, desperately praying for God's deliverance. And eventually, after an hour and a half, practically, it was about midday, uh, we heard a plane. In fact, there were two planes because there were 19 of us, a group of WEC missionaries and a group of Whitcliffe missionaries. And uh, the two planes were overhead and they told us if it's safe to land, put a white sheet on the ground. We did that, but almost immediately that hostile group of people ran onto the airstrip, pulled away the sheets. And I just put on a white anorak to wear when I would come home to Ireland because I knew, although I didn't need it in Congo, but I certainly knew you would need it in, in Ireland. So um, one of the Whitcliffe missionaries shouted at me, Maud, give us your white coat. So I threw it on the ground and they Pilots saw it and they said, we're coming into land. They realized that I was signaled to, to them because before that they were turning their planes around to leave us and go away because they thought when the sheets were lifted, it meant they couldn't land. When I put down my white coat, they, they, they saw it and they came into land. That plane to land and board nine of us and take off, it took three minutes. So you can imagine how quick that was. The pilot didn't turn off the engine. The co-pilot was at the door and just pulled us all in. So we were actually in the in the plane, in the air, before we actually got our, 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 our belts on, our seat belts on. Uh, the pilot explained that they were actually on their way to get us at the original rendezvous of 20 to 11. But because um, the, the rebels in Congo got the number of their frequency on the radio transmitter, and they threatened them and they said, do not go in to get those missionaries today. If you go in, we're either going to bomb the plane and take off or we're just uh, going to take you all, all hostage. 
And so the pilots discussed amongst themselves and decided it was too dangerous to come. So they were actually on their way back to Nairobi. But then the Americans had satellite surveillance of what was going on on the ground, and they could see that the rebels were getting very close to us. So they contacted the pilots again and said to them, look, you've got to get those missionaries out today. If you don't get them out today, you'll never get them out. So they actually turned their planes around again, and that's why they were delayed for over an hour uh, to come to us. We weren't able to come back to Congo. I actually went to work in southern Sudan for a couple of years. But eventually, when I did come back to Congo, one of my first questions was, what happened after we left? And they said, oh, there were two, two vehicles uh, coming to take you hostage. But one of them got a flat tire, and they didn't have a spare wheel. The other one had engine trouble. The timing belt went and they couldn't get it repaired. So they never did. They weren't able to, to take you hostage. And that was a direct answer to prayer because we were all praying that hour and a half for God's deliverance. And uh, if God hadn't delivered and uh, intervened and stopped those vehicles, we would have been taken hostage and who knows what would have happened after that. So that was one of the very remarkable answers to prayer. It's been wonderful to prove them all down the years. And I suppose maybe the other one was whenever I had that shooting incident, 2015, and in the middle of the night had been to the maternity, was coming back with my night guard, and we were accosted by two bandits as we were going up around the side of the house. And one of them grabbed my night guard and ran off, and the other one pointed a gun at me. I immediately prayed, Lord, help me. What do I do here? And the Lord put it <laughs> into my heart. At least I felt it was, grab the gun. So I went to grab the gun and he pulled the trigger. And I just said, Lord, um, I'm in your hands and your will be done. I, I hope this is not the end. I said, I would like to finish off my projects, please, Lord. <laughs> And the Lord really answered prayer because although I bled quite a lot as the bullets went in the front and came out my back and it fractured two ribs and partially destroyed two vertebrae, severing my spinal cord. How I wasn't paralyzed and that I didn't bleed to death because it just missed a, a huge blood vessel, which if it had punctured, I would have bled of hemorrhaging immediately. Those stories are like an action movie. <laughs> Wow. I guess it's just amazing to have those experiences to look back on and like yes. whenever you're doubt you know, how can you doubt when you're yes. when we're looking back on the things that God has done in our lives, it gives us great confidence for the That's future. Right. If you could go back in time, uh, what would you tell your twenty year old self about mission? Don't worry. Jesus is with you. He'll never he's promised never, never to leave us or forsake us. And the the important thing was memorize scripture, hold on to those promises in our hearts, never forget the promises of God and stand on them. And it always seemed whenever I was going through a really tough time in the morning, in the quiet time, there'd be fear thou not for I am with thee. Have not I commanded you be strong and of a good courage. And promises like that were just so tremendous and just carried me through. It's amazing. I'd, I'd literally just written down after you had told me those stories, fear, question mark, promises from God, question mark. And then you went right into it about how you, when you were scared, you sought the promises of God. That's yeah. I think that's it's so encouraging to to hear that because it's obviously 
many of us in the UK here aren't going to, we're not going to face those same, well, yeah. Lord willing, we're not going to face those same yeah. kinds of circumstances, but yeah. but fear can still be as prevalent in our lives yeah. in many ways. Yeah. So it's just yeah. as practical for us to yeah. be yeah. to be doing those things too, yeah. even though we aren't necessarily in the same situation. What advice would you give to a young person who is thinking about mission? Uh, again, be sure that God's calling you that it's not just a desire to go abroad just to see the world. If I hadn't had that clear call from God, at times when difficult things were very difficult, I would have been tempted to get up and leave. Yeah, it's very precious to be able to cling to that in the midst of yes. something. You know that you are in God's will because That's you're being right. obedient to the calling he has on your life. Yes. Also, to know your enemy, I found that helpful as well, that he's a liar from the beginning. He, he deceives uh, he, he, he causes fear. Don't forget that. Um, he has been defeated at the cross when Jesus rose again. He is defeated, although he keeps on fighting and attacking and, and accusing, but he is defeated. I would have to tell myself that uh, before, even if I knew what was going to, what lay ahead, that Jesus was with me and we were on the victory side because he was with me. And I suppose the third thing, uh, guarding our quiet time every day. Sometimes we can be so, so busy. Like even, even me, Malita, I remember times being called to the maternity in the early hours of the morning when I would normally have a quiet time before I would start anything in the morning. But sometimes I was in the maternity and couldn't have a quiet time and into the day. And uh, But I had to find the time later on and it was always very, very difficult. But it was so important that I have that quiet time every day just to refuel. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, that's so true. Thank you for, uh, yeah, your your kindness and your graciousness and agreeing to give up your time to, to speak today. And um, it's amazing what, what you've shared. It's been a great encouragement to me uh, just to see how God has been at work in your life and how he has glorified himself in the things that you've been through. And yeah. he will continue to do so. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed Till the Whole World Hears. If you found this helpful, please write a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you would like to know more about WEC UK and Ireland, you can visit our website or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Links are in the description. Join us next time to hear more about what living as a missionary is like. Thanks for sharing our podcast and blessings on your week. Goodbye. Goodbye.